Welcome to Level 7, a podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Episode 227, Runaways, Season 1, Episode 4, 15. Hello and welcome to another episode of Welcome to Level 7, a podcast about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which includes, as of right now, (laughs) Runaways. And I'm here with Agent Samantha. Hello, Samantha. We're, we did it. Uh, we we made it. Uh, the four episodes of Runaways that were released before Marvel's Agents of Shield. Uh, we are releasing them on our podcast before Marvel's Agents of Shield, and so we are actually going to be able to, I think, follow this in real time. Yes, which is great. I mean, this is why we have so many people on the podcast. So we can do stuff like this. And poor Ben Avery, he's been in every Runaways episode this week. Well, Plus the the uh, Avengers tra- uh, trailer. Yeah, well, and that's what made this. This is a crazy Ooh. week. <laughs> we <Yeah>. had four <laughs> episodes of Runaways. Um, and then the trailer. And then uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which I have just watched. Uh, those two episodes, or the two-hour episode. I'm not saying a word about it. But... Um, Good because I haven't seen it yet. That's why I'm not saying a word about yeah. it. But don't spoil uh, me. M- most of you uh, don't care probably right now that we got out these four <laughs> episodes of Runaways because you don't have to watch them. Uh, you you can wait and watch them separately and not in real time. But we're still doing it. So this is this yeah. is what we're doing, and we are going to talk about episode number four, which is called. 15 so there's a reason for that number being the name of the episode but we will get to that uh but before we do samantha up until this point what are your thoughts how are you liking runaways so far not including this episode um i will say after we had to cover Iron Fist and Inhumans back to back. This is so nice to have something that's really, really good. <laughs> and I, I thought, I, I thought, uh, I had never seen the OC, so I'm not familiar with that. But Dawson's Creek, One Tree Hill, yeah, I've seen that. So I thought it'd be a little bit more like that on the hokey side, but it's not hokey. It's no, fun. It's it's not. I mean, yes, there's fun stuff to it, but it's also pretty serious i mean it's yes it's taking itself seriously the funniness uh does not come from hey let's make jokes for jokes sake it's hey we've got these characters who would make jokes at these points and i i just want to say at this point after this episode uh i feel like we could get a stinker next time and i won't care because i'm liking it (laughs) i mean the, the goodwill of these four episodes are are going to take me far when it comes to the remaining episodes is I'm really in- enjoying the show and I'm enjoying the kid parts. I'm enjoying the adult parts. I'm enjoying uh, the secrets, the mysteries. And yeah, I-, I think that we should probably just jump right into it then and, and, and get into the, the pre-credit scenes. And in the pre-credit scenes, we find out that Amy's death was a suicide and uh, Nico's. Or so it seems. Well, yeah, yeah. Nico, um, her mom won't let her call 911. She does anyway. But um, then a strange man comes and, and tells Tina, uh, Nico's mother, that he'll take care of things. And we go to the present day, and Nico's reading Amy's diary and is un- interrupted by a group chat. And they are talking about finding destiny. And they're having a hard time communicating with each other, though. They're kind of communicating at pro- cross purposes. Um, yeah. And, and so then Alex and this is leading us into the credits, Alex goes to check out the secret door again. And this time, instead of the uh, coasters 
turning and and opening a secret door. They're they're just coasters. But he does find a false bottom in a drawer with money and a gun. So that is that is our pre-credits scene and I just want to say I think that the uh, the whole suicide scene was very artfully done and you know with the the blending of the kind of almost slow motion dream like movement and and audio and and it's just very confusing and and emotional um and I don't know who this strange guy is but we'll find out about him later so yeah that that was really well done uh for being uh it's it's both a memory a dream and a a, a tragedy and mm-hmm. a horrific moment in Nico's life and they did a well they did a wonderful job representing that yeah and you could see that for her that's absolutely a defining moment in her life and it may not have been what she thought it was uh, as, yeah. as she's reading this diary and we'll get more into the, the diary stuff but um but then she also this is for her one of those first moments where she realizes things are not quite what she thinks they are with her with her parents when there's a strange man saying he'll take care of things um that's that's the that's not something you really want to see or hear after a suicide because it, it just adds adds fuel to the fire of what's going on here this is all this stuff going on yeah and it um it also really uh, backs up uh, Tina's behavior of sort of ignoring uh, Nico's needs mm-hmm. and her well-being for for Tina's own ambitions. Well, and also just that idea of for Tina, I think she just has to control everything. Yes, and and has to have control. And here she is, you know, kind of controlling this whole situation now with with this guy. So secrets and, and mysteries. And her her daughter just died, and she's coming off kind of cold about it, or it it felt that way to me. Yeah, I, I could see feeling the coldness there. I, again, I come back to in control though, and the the facade of control. Um, coming off as, as coldness. Uh, she is absolutely someone who, you know, she, she holds her husband and her daughter at arm's length so she can, I think, control them. And yeah. Yeah. So we move into act one and we get Dale and Stacy, who are Gert's parents, arguing about who left the, the door unlocked for the, uh, the theropod, which, um, I do want to say, and, and this might be our, hey, I think I might have just learned something uh, for this this episode, but uh, Gert call, calls it a theropod, which is accurate because that's like almost any kind of two-legged dinosaur with three three uh, toes on its foot. In fact, a, an ostrich is technically speaking a, a theropod, um, which is good because a velociraptor, you know, I, I don't I don't like to burst people's bubbles, but... Uh, I'm not going to go all Neil Grassed Tyson on on this, but uh, Velociraptors were, were actually probably a, the size of turkeys, and and so Jurassic Park just you know they got it wrong. They got it wrong. Have you ever met a wild turkey? <laughs> I have. I have. My my uh, in laws get them in their yard all the time. They're fascinating. I love watching They're them. Fascinating, but if if they want to attack you, they will. They are terrifying. <laughs> But not as so. terrifying as like a six foot velociraptor. True. Uh, yeah. So they are lying to their children. And when Molly and Gert come and ask what they're talking about, they say, we're missing a hedgehog. And Gert and Molly <laughs> obviously know that they are lying. Uh, and so as they go to try and find uh, this this uh, dinosaur, uh, they get a call for an emergency pride meeting and choose not to go, which I found really interesting. And it gets more interesting that they chose not to go later on. But, you know, they clearly, I mean, not everyone in Pride wants to be in Pride. Yeah. 
and it clearly there's a there's a reason that um Stacy and oh forgive me the the dad Dale uh, Dale Dale yeah there's yeah. a reason that they were included and now they're seeing that maybe Pride's <laughs> priorities are not matching up with their own and <laughs> well I mean now they want to run away yeah yeah I mean this is the this is the point where it's almost done and that's kind of the the sentiment for a lot of these is we are almost done we are almost there we just need to get there and and we just need to do this one last thing or whatever uh in fact that's kind of taking us into this next scene here is chase's dad uh victor has a girl that he kidnapped and put in the back of his van and when he arrives at at alex's house um jeffrey alex's dad and uh Nico's Nico's dad, Robert, they aren't happy with him. And then they open up the back of the van and the girl is gone. Like she's just gone. And they're even more unhappy because this was meant to be the next sacrifice. And, and uh, you know, this was going to be they were going to do another sacrifice. That was the emergency pride meeting is that Victor got a, a, another person. Let's all get together. And nope. Uh, now they have to figure something else out. Um and so Robert gets sent by by Tina to go with Victor to get another sacrifice. But they need to find someone, uh, as, as they say, who doesn't matter. Um, Leslie, uh, the the church lady, <laughs> she says everyone matters. But, you know, they're, they're looking for someone who can disappear. And yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I, I don't. I, I can understand. I mean, Jeffrey, he doesn't want to be a part of this. He doesn't like what they're doing. I, I can't remember Alex's mom's name, but she doesn't necessarily like it. She's one of those who are just very practical and saying, we, we just got to get this done. We're almost there. And yeah, it's, uh, I, I, I just feel like, you know, you, you kind of, after you've done 15 sacrifices, you, you know what you're getting yourself into. And maybe it is just kind of a relief to get done, get that final one out of the way. Yeah, uh, Chase's dad. Victor. Uh, with yeah, Victor. Um, Victor Steen. Okay, okay. I should remember remember this because, um, Victor Frankenstein, Fra- Frankenstein yeah. or Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so the question is: Is he losing his mind? Has he been experimenting on himself? is the box somehow affecting him? So he's perceiving reality in a different way or is it changing reality around him or, or the physical or can things now disappear around him? Like physical things like this woman in the back of the van. Yeah. So Uh, I I don't know. I mean, it is kind of funny that the pod that he created was meant to, you know, whatever goes in there is supposed to disappear and the girl disappears out of his van but not the pod. Right. You know? So, right. So that is interesting connection. And on top of it, he's looking kind of sweaty and tired and not well. No, he obviously physically, he's not doing well. And what, what it is, is not as obvious, but that, I mean, they're noticing they're asking yes. him, can you do this? So, uh, meanwhile, Alex and Nico are talking about going to the police because she knows now that her sister did not commit suicide, she was happy. She wouldn't have done this. Um, and she doesn't care if the police won't believe her. She says, if the police don't believe me, that's on them. But I'm telling them everything. Um, meanwhile, some other teenage drama is Chase gets approached by the other guys from the lacrosse team. They demand an apology from him and he does not give it to them. In fact, he ends up getting into a fight with them again as they're talking about um, uh, Carolina and all the stuff that's going on with that. But yeah, he, this, this is awful. This is probably the most realistic thing of the whole thing that we get here is, is the whole date rape situation. And then not only was there this date rape situation that didn't happen and that's good, but then it turns into this whole like slut shaming thing where she's the one who brought it upon herself and the people around school understand that something happened and their understanding was she brought it on herself and she's the, she's the slut. She's the one who did something wrong. Clearly she didn't do anything wrong except for she went somewhere that her parents told her not to, 
but that's not the wrongness that they're talking about. And she faints. They're going to take advantage of her, but she's the one who's paying for it. Um, which is unfortunately a, a very real, uh, reality for, for people, for teenagers and college students. So it's awful. Yeah. I, this is not date rape. This is just out and out raping an unconscious girl. Um, Date rape would be if she had gone on a date with one of these guys and they were kissing and he forced himself on her. Well, it's, um, well let's just call it rape. Then. I mean, that's what it yeah, is. A, yeah. A date rape is rape, but yeah, it's um, just, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah, you're right. It's, it's just rape. Rape is rape. But, um, yeah. And, and this is clearly, the scene was clearly written as a response to all of the social changes that have been happening recently. Um, obviously this had to have been written before, um, the, all the scandals broke about all of the people in Hollywood and the way women have been treated in Hollywood. And now it's starting to expand or not expand. People are now beginning to realize that, um, the way women have been treated in the workplaces and, and other environments are, can sometimes be not healthy and dangerous. Um, I, I was trying to explain to someone recently that um, going into a new workplace, uh, the fear of being s- someone saying something that's really inappropriate or touching me inappropriately or even you know forcing themselves on, f- forcing himself on me is a fear every time I get a new job. And there have been, and it's it's not because it's I'm making it up. It's because in the past I've gone into jobs, and somebody has said something inappropriate to me, and it's made me feel uncomfortable. So, I mean, and having a scene where, you know, this girl almost is raped at a party, and then uh, Chase walks in and he stops them. It, we need to, yeah, we need to realize that that's not okay. Um, well, and and more to the point for this episode, uh, we need to realize it's it's not uncommon. Is is it's the problem? It's not, and 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 that's yeah. where I mean this is this is more reminding me of um, some different things that have come out you know in the last ten fifteen years of different college campuses having some sort of big blow up because this something happened and the the victim did not choose silence. And so you end up with a situation where, you know, you have like a whole team, uh, a whole college team covering up something. And then you realize, oh, they, they covered this up and they were doing this together. The cover up, at least. I mean, they weren't all necessarily involved in the crime, but they were involved in the, in the cover up and even even the coaches. And and, and this is where. I mean, th- they're definitely doing the more realistic teen drama to me. Um, yeah. and, and I mean, yes, this is a place of wealth. This is a place of privilege as far as where they're living, but the teen drama is, is also very much of a, it feels real to me and yes, it, it feels some of it is the innocence and, and fun of youth as they're, you know, having fun getting to know each other. But then there's the other parts that are these, these darker corners of youth um, like this with, with the, uh, the attempted rape and, and then not only the attempted rape, but that it's her reputation that gets dragged through the mud, even though, like I said, she didn't do anything. Precisely. She, She didn't do anything, but it's her reputation that suffers for it. Partially because she's, she's just the girl that's involved and the guys are, you know, important and, and she is not. So. Yeah, I mean, all of the stuff that has come out of Hollywood recently with all of these um, people acting inappropriately, that's not new. What's new is that people are recognizing, hey, a woman is complaining that she's been sexually assaulted in some manner. And people are recognizing, hey, she's a victim here. And this guy who is in power is is a predator and that needs to be stopped. The whole, uh, women being treated the way they have in Hollywood. That's been going on since the beginning of Hollywood, (laughs) the very beginning. 
um, the way children have been treated. Um, and in sometimes in a very adult manner, uh, sometimes they're treated as objects. I mean, it's just, there's, I mean, I, I think there has been more recognition and more of an effort to protect child actors, but as soon as those girls become women and they hit 18, it's a completely different situation. And, um, there are a lot of men in Hollywood who recognize that women in the industry are vulnerable and they do work to make sure that those women are safe, but they cannot be around all the time to protect women, which is, um, I've been saying a, a lot lately, haven't said it here that, um, I probably will never get back into the industry because, or at least not until I know that it's, I can feel safe to go back because there were a few incidences when I was working in the industry where somebody said something to me and I just felt absolutely powerless and vulnerable and scared. So there's, there's my soapbox. Yeah. I will get off now. No, yeah. It's a good soapbox to be on though. I mean, for me, it comes to, there's, there's the, very specific issues that are, that are going on there. But then there's also this very broad issue of, like you said, you know, just looking on things as objects and, and people yeah. as objects and not as, as people. And, and that's one very unfortunate thing that comes out of a lot of um, what you're hearing is that, you know, they just weren't treated like people. And, right. And it just, so that, I mean, that's, that's part of what feeds into that problem. It's a, what I'm talking about is a much more bigger universal thing as far as, you know, that that's a whole world. That's just a worldview thing. Um, right. You know, the, the actions that are taken because of that worldview in this situation are, are even more horrendous as far as the, the long reaching consequences um, emotionally and, and, and psychically and psychologically right. uh, for, for the victims there. But yeah. Yeah. So and it's what, a good soapbox to be on Samantha. Yeah, and what the Me Too movement is really saying, it's what its goal really is to reach, is that women are not looking to put men down and put men below women. Um, women just want to be equals, and we need solidarity from men. And that means, hey, if we say this guy said something really inappropriate to me, instead of saying, well, you shouldn't have been wearing that, or something along those lines say, oh, this is an issue. It needs to be handled. You'll be okay. Yeah, yeah. So, and then yeah. the other thing that needs to happen on the other side is um, these men who are coming from a situation that says this is okay need to learn. No, no, it's not. And just because it was told, you right. were told it was okay, just because you observed that it was okay, just because you learned that it was okay by watching what other people were doing um, – doesn't mean it's okay, and and that's really what these 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 uh, athletes, these, these lacrosse eh, lacrosse players, that's really what's going on with them. Is this is a place that they have come to where they have been shown and told and given the example that it's okay. And now you have Chase who is actually says, and, and I love the way he says it. Is uh, oh, I wrote it down. It's later in my notes where he's sitting down with her. And he's, he's talking with, with Carolina and he says, um, I was, uh, I can't find it in my notes, but he says something like, um, I was watching them and then I saw what they were and I realized that I don't want that. And right. that's partially because for him, he finally came into a situation where the victim was not this nameless other person, other thing. It was Carolina who was a friend of his. And and that's where he had that moment of realization and that that clicking where he realizes, oh, this is not OK. <laughs> and right. And yeah, so it's it's he, everyone needs to have those good examples given to them so they can actually see, oh, this is the way to treat not just treat women, but that's absolutely a part of it. But other people, other humans, you know, you treat them as if they are another human. Instead of just that thing that's going to give you what you want. Right. And I think he gets because he's a child of abuse, obviously. Mm. So he knows what it is to be belittled and yeah. dismissed and um, and abused and uh, treated as an object as opposed to um, 
as a person with flaws. Well, and and that's so. that's what happens when when you have that cycle of abuse, and you have the abuser and the abused, and then a lot of times the abused becomes the abuser. Right. And, it could go one of two ways, really. Yeah, and, and either so, yeah, or or they do like you said, where he, they sympathize. Yeah, yeah. And, oh, I'm sorry. No, empathize. And so that's where you have to yeah. you have to break these cycles and. In some cases, breaking the cycle is is a matter of just okay, growing up and realizing, oh my gosh, you know, that's not okay. High school, I was wrong, you know. And in in some cases, they aren't growing up, and they aren't ever realizing. Okay, so let's talk about Leslie then. She <laughs> is. Uh, we're we're still in Act One. Leslie is with Mister Facehugger uh, in <laughs> in the two thousand one hotel meditation room chamber thing and he's not getting better and this is why he's not getting better is because of robert and and his situation or yeah robert no victor victor um misrepresented himself and (coughs) so she is doing this kind of prayer thing and he just demands stop stop doing that warm me he says so she disrobes gets under the covers with him And there's this weird glowing under the covers. Right. So, yeah, that's kind of it. Yeah, I got the impression that this man is her father. And the way that scene was shot was, yeah, icky. Yeah, Um, it it was. No, there's no other way for it. I mean, there's no other word. It's it's just icky. (laughs) It's it's gross. (laughs) And the glowing comes from under the covers but the glowing in a very specific area yeah, it looks like in that uh, very lower, adult way yeah lower yeah. area is is some glowing and uh and i don't i don't know if it is her father um i i that's probably the one person that we know about that would be a logical person Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's also, <laughs> there's also absolutely the possibility that it's just someone we haven't met yet and we don't know about yet. Right. So that's what I'm hoping for at this point after this scene. Okay. Me too. Cause <laughs> if that was her father. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, there's some other things we need to talk about that aren't okay. So uh, no, we don't need to, I'm saying if that's her father, we need to. And maybe we don't want to. Maybe we'll just skip it. But anyway, <laughs> act two. Uh, Frank is sitting outside that room when she comes out and he asks her if she's having an affair. I mean, he just straight up asks her because she's been spending a lot of time away from him and not, you know, almost avoiding him. And she deflects the question and says that instead, hey, you know, in spite of your insecurities and your limited worldview, you're ready to go ultra and we'll be expecting you tonight. And what is going on? I'm wondering if she's just going to say, you know what, Victor, Robert, they're not going to find anyone. They're not going to be able to to accomplish their mission. I'm wondering if Frank is going in the pod in the next episode. Oh, oh, I think so. The story they gave Destiny was that she was ready to go ultra. Hmm. Oh, oh, that's right. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Yeah. And she gives him this kiss and she's locking eyes with him, making eye contact. And it looks like, you know, this is a legitimate kiss. And then as she embraces him and her face comes away from his face and is looking now past him as they hug. It's I mean, she's she has a look on her face like. I'm a lying liar who lies and quite possibly a murdering murderer who murders. That's what Wait, this was me. this was Leslie hugging Robert, who is Tina's husband. Leslie hugging Frank. Frank. Okay, I'm husband. sorry. Yeah. Her. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> we have six cast members who are kids. Each one of them, except for Molly, has two parents. So we have this cast of almost 20 people and I'm Almost keeping track. Almost. Oh, yeah. I am horrible with names. I mean, part of my job is just knowing people 
as as a pastor. And uh, I'm so glad that we make our children wear name tags. Uh, and there's lots of different security reasons for that. But then there's also the reason of I can know the kids' names. But then you you throw the parents into the mix. That's Johnny's parents. I don't know their names. It's Johnny's parents. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there's it's, Kara's it's... parents. I don't know her. I don't know their names. But oh, it's bad. But I'm 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 following it for this. I'm I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Yeah, it's it's. I have to have IMDb open with the cast list going because I I am trying to remember names and I can see the pictures and I can remember who is who. But okay, so it's Frank. <laughs> Frank and Leslie are Carolina's Frank parents. Frank and Leslie. Yeah. Carolina. Okay. And Frank is not a member of the Gibberum. And that also makes him a candidate for me that he's going in the pod. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, sounds like it. <laughs> so anyway, uh, rumors are going around the school about what Carolina, Carolina did, but that she didn't do. Um, Gert meets up with some girls who want to uh, meet for the club. But Carolina needs uh, Gert's help, and Gert is the only one who can give it to her. So Gert actually goes with Carolina instead of uh, these three uh, friends who are there for the club meeting. They invite Alex to come along, but he sees that – he basically the example that Gert sets of I'm helping Carolina because she needs help, that example causes Alex to leave. He declines to go with them because he's going to go to the police station with Nico. And it's something he didn't want to do. He didn't think it was a good idea, but he's going to support her, which that's totally from Gert's example of helping someone that she obviously doesn't get along with. Yeah. Um, I don't, I'm, I'm not a big fan of Gert right now. (laughs) She's well acted, well written. And because of the way she's portrayed and that she is fully fleshed out as a character and on this show, um, I'm not a fan of Gert herself, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but I can see that they're trying to make a point with this character that, but the funny thing is she's an extreme feminist and it's, she's, she's so extreme that she's become the thing she hates, that she's very paranoid and very bossy and it's, um, <laughs> she's talking over people. And yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm hoping that we will see some growth in her character as the show goes on. Um, doesn't necessarily mean it happens all at once in this season, but I'm hoping to see more over the entire series arc. Well, I think just her going with Carolina is is some some character growth. Uh, she's not doing right. it for any uh, any agenda. There's no there's no agenda purpose behind this, other than that person needs my help you know all the right. stuff with chase there is very much an agenda behind what she's trying to do with helping him with spanish and all that kind of stuff right um and, and i appreciate this character i mean she is someone that probably if you were friends with her in real life she might bother you and annoy you and you know but i i appreciate that they have i appreciate that all the characters have flaws and and that they're not just these perfect kids who are perfect stereotypes, but that they are imperfect kids with, you know, within the stereotypes. And I, I like that. I, Me too. I, I, and I agree with you about the casting, but I yeah. think that could be extended to almost every character here. Yeah. All of the casting on this show is fantastic. It really is. No complaints about the writing, no complaints about the direction, acting. Not, it's, it's really well done. Yeah, uh, Carolina and Gert investigate Gert's. Uh, no, they investigate Carolina's house and they find this encrypted file on Leslie's laptop, Carolina's mother's laptop, and they copy it to a flash drive. Chase comes and interrupts and asks to talk to Carolina in private. And Gert's going to take the flash drive to Alex because they're going to have that investigated. Of course, Alex is at the police station with Nico. But the other thing that's going on while all this is happening is that Robert and Victor are going to try and kidnap a homeless guy in broad daylight and just throw him into the back of this van. And the the guy fights back and police pull up. (laughs) 
what, what were they thinking? What? I mean, I'm not a kidnapping kidnapper who kidnaps, but I, I, I know that that's not good planning on their part. Well, plus, if you're going to kidnap somebody in broad daylight, don't just grab them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or <laughs> convince or, them gently to come with you or go after them with them a tire away. iron. <laughs> <laughs> this is OK. <laughs> yeah, that was a little incompetent on their part. <laughs> I can understand Victor. He's desperate. He's not feeling well. He's not acting. You know, Robert was sent to like keep him on track and no, it <laughs> the whole thing is very very flawed very yeah. very flawed but my ears perked up because robert says i'm going to call flores and i'm reading the comic right now and flores is actually a cop in the comic that is their contact person mm. oh do you think flores is the cop at the beginning i don't just think that we know oh. it. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Towards the end of the episode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're going to get to that with, uh, with Nico, but yeah. Um, and, and that just makes me, they've MCU'd this very, very well. And the comic itself, I'm not sure how popular it is. Um, I, I, I know that students in the high school where I taught, when I taught high school English, I had a student who was reading runaways and, and recommended it to me. And I didn't get around to it at that time, but this, the, the comic is, is a very good, good story. And this just takes it and it makes it better. And, yeah. and they're, they're basically following not quite beat for beat, but close. Uh, in fact, the thing at the end of this episode that happens that I'm like, that's not in the comic. I don't know where this is going to go, but yeah. So we move to act three, Chase has quit the lacrosse team. He tells Carolina what happened. And here's what he said. He he can't be a part of what he saw in them. I love that. I, I, I love that he you know, was able to do the soul searching and she invites him inside, but it's not, it's for some intimate moments, but it's not the kind of intimacy maybe that he was hoping for when she invited him inside and closed the curtains. Um, but she tells him about the other thing that happened that night and she takes off her bracelet and she begins to glow and sparkle and is quite a thing. And, Finally, another character with powers. Because yeah. it's taken us long enough to get here. She referred to herself as Rainbow Bright, and I was like, no. <laughs> well, but like she was bright. Jewel, but <laughs> <laughs> well, well, no, no, not Jewel, Jim. Oh, yeah, Jim. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Reminded me a little bit more of Jim. Well, but I there's mean... a, very much a 1980s vibe with the animation, <laughs> <laughs> which is okay. <laughs> Okay, so she wasn't, you know, manifesting rainbow bright like powers, but she had rainbow colors and she was bright. So the name fits. Yeah. Just not the actual rainbow bright, but not the character. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the other thing I find interesting is they've MCU'd this with this kind of religious bracelet thing and the religion is not a part of the comic book but in the comic I, i'm not gonna bring up too many more things about the comic but in the comic she has a uh, medical alert bracelet and that's what causes her powers to uh, be inhibited instead of the the religion you know her mom telling her put this bracelet on and never take it off but it's a medical alert bracelet that why would you take it off because you need to have that on at all times and there's a very True. interesting usage that happens. I'm very curious if they'll do the scene, but there's some cool, there's a cool thing that she does with that bracelet. So I want to read this comic now. It's uh, I got the, it's the runaways complete collection volume one from my library. And it has the first 18 issues, which is the first series. Okay. I, I will look into that. Yeah. Def definitely check that out. They also did smaller editions that were kind of digest sized. Um, and only had like six issues in per, but either way, um, it can get confusing because there is a second runaways series. Okay. So anyway, they, um, they have this moment together and it's a nice moment. The only thing I don't like, and, and maybe this is, I was kind of rooting for Gert with chase. 
I don't know. I mean, Daniel says I'm not a romantic, and so maybe I'm just reading it wrong. But just the, the two quote unquote most beautiful people—they don't have to be together. They don't have to be the ones who end up together. You were hoping for a John Hughes relationship. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe down the line. But I do not see Chase being interested in Gert right now. No, no. I mean, he is friendly to her. Oh, yeah. And actually, you know, not as much of a jerk anymore. Um, But I don't know. I mean, this is what I'm saying is I I like Gert. You know, I, I don't know. She probably because she'd be one of the people I'd end up hanging out with in high school <laughs> and college, actually, as well. But I I would much rather hang out with college Gert because I can see <laughs> instead of high school her Gert. growing and changing. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. <laughs> if I was in high school with Gert, I'd be like, oh gosh, girl, you are so annoying. <laughs> but no. Yeah. So. Yeah. Tina, uh, meanwhile, is meeting with a guy who has a bunch of tattoos. Uh, his name's Kincaid. He did something unusual for her, but it's for money. He doesn't care. And I don't know what that is. I I couldn't figure out the connection there, and I, I, I think I missed something with that. But Dale and Stacy, they can't find the raptor. And so they just decide maybe we should just let the raptor go and get away. And And we – not the raptor get away, but us get away. And so they, they're going to go home, tell the girls they're going to get out of there. But the girls, meanwhile, Molly is typing an email with questions about her parents, possibly to go to um, uh, Alex's mom. Because Alex's mom in the previous episode said, you can ask me anything about your parents anytime. But she hears something. And it's, it's the theropod. It's the raptor. And it comes in. And she actually fights it because she has the power to put up a fight. And we get this awesome almost moment where the raptor's coming at her. She's coming at it with her fists getting ready to just punch that thing in the head. And Gert jumps in, stops it in time. The raptor responds and the parents come in. What would you do? Like, what, what an awkward family moment, you know? I was terrified that Molly was going to pass out in the middle of this fight. <laughs> oh, I, I loved it that we actually had, you know, a fight scene. And yeah. Yeah. It was, it was really good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, and Molly could take on the Raptor. <laughs> totally. She kept, yeah. I mean, she kept up with it. And, <laughs> and of course, Gert gets in there before Molly actually has a chance to actually hurt the Raptor. Yeah. And then they came to an understanding and, that was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the parents, and, and now oh, they have a pet raptor. <laughs> well, that's just it. You know, the parents created the dinosaur for their protection, and they say everything we've done, we've done for you girls. But they're interrupted by Tina, and Tina comes, and this is where Gert's like, you know, she does the the teenager stomp off thing, and um, Tina confronts them and says, "We were afraid you might be leaving." And this is where we get some more about Jean and Alice, Molly's parents. Jean and Alice left them this place that was off the grid. And they left it to Gert's parents, almost as if they were giving you a place to run to. And yeah, this is this is where um, now Gert's parents realize we're, we're never getting out of this. We're stuck. We're stuck forever. It's over. We're never getting out. Mm. Which, I don't know, like Alex's mom, her whole thing is one more and then we're done, you know. And that's why I'm wondering, like, why they're choosing right now to, to be the time to run other than if they really think they shouldn't be doing this anymore. I guess that's where you say, okay, yeah, we're, we're killing people. That's not good. And we need to stop doing that. But if they're okay with the killing still, this is where you just say, we'll just go with it and get it, get it over with. I'm wondering. Okay. So the show is called runaways. Mm-hmm. Supposedly at some point, maybe the kids will <laughs> run away from home. I don't know. Or maybe they continue investigating these other kids who disappeared, who are runaways. I'm not sure. But if they do all run away from home, which uh, I don't know if they are or not, I have not read the comics. 
obviously. Um, are Dale and Stacy going to help them escape? I don't know. I mean, because so it sounds far, like they would be sympathetic to them getting out of this really dangerous situation. Yeah, Dale and Stacy right now are contemplating being runaways, you know, and want to be runaways, but they can't. Um, I'm just glad. I mean, from from scene one of episode one, we actually do have a, a runaway on the screen. <laughs> and, yeah, but it, that's just it, though. Alex is try- he breaks through the encryption and finds out that there were these intake files from Leslie of all these runaways who were brought into the church. And it's all these names, one a year for 15 years. And they look up to see if the names are people who disappeared. And they they don't find any proof that that's the case because no one cared. Like these these people were able to disappear without a trace. And it's, it's the parents, it's the pride who are, are the reason why there is no trace. And they're the ones choosing these people who, quote unquote, don't matter. It's, I mean, up until this point, yes, our our kids have not run away. Our six main characters, seven if you include uh, the dinosaur, but um, <laughs> runaways have definitely been a, a through line uh, through the whole thing. Uh, you could even say that Amy, with the the suicide that they think she did, would, would that's that's a runaway situation as well. But it's not yeah. because there's something more to it. And I think Nico's right. Uh, yeah, there's just she's con- well. Suicide victims don't always signal that there's something wrong, but when someone is writing in their journal, which is very, very, very private and internal, and they and even to the last page, the last entry, it's still very happy and upbeat. There's something not connecting there. There's something just not clicking right. And also, it's it's a TV show about six teenagers, and if one of the teenagers has an intuition, um, they're either it's either a major plot point that Nico is wrong, but more likely it's a major plot point that she is right, because it's all about finding out they just can't trust the people they are supposed to be able to trust the most in the world. They cannot trust. Mm. And that's that, that's one of the interesting themes that's going on here is just discovering that these people that you trust and these people who love their kids and want the best for them, but they are are not what they seem. Yeah. And that is one, one of the d- difficulties of being a teenager and being around that age is you begin to realize that your parents are not perfect people. Mm-hmm. Um. Obviously, you tend to, or people tend to hit that when they're about pre-teenage, but, and these kids are older. Um, but still, I mean, that's an, that's an echo from real life into the story. Yeah. And that's what I like about it more than yeah. just the teen drama. I like that it is kind of creating this quote unquote realistic dynamic between kids and parents it's just this realistic dynamic between kids and parents. The, the big monkey wrench that's thrown in there is parents are in a weird cult thing and putting people in pods to destroy them and give life to a really scaly, dry skinned, weird thing. <laughs> you know what he reminds me of? No, no. <laughs> there's a scene in the movie Richie Rich, the one with Macaulay Culkin. Which I've uh, there's seen, a, but do not remember at all. So <laughs> There's a scene where his mother, who was stuck on a life raft for like a, for a while, she's lying there and she's like, when I get back home, I am going to spend a week lying in a vat of oil of Olay. And every time I see this mysterious guy, I, I think... He needs to rest in a vat of oil of Olay because he's got really dry skin. Yeah, yeah. For Stuart and I, it's Aquaphor because, <laughs> um, you know, we're dads, we're parents, and that was one of the main uh, things we use for, for kid skin. I don't know if it gets used for adult skin at all, but we used it for kid skin first and realized, oh, wow, hey, 
uh, that really worked well on the diaper rash. I wonder if that'll work on my sunburn. So, <laughs> well, I don't, I don't use that. I use, um, uh, hydrocortisone cream or a vino lotion. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I've never used oil overlay. It, it's too pricey for me. I don't even know what that stuff does. It's an anti-aging cream. <laughs> it's supposed to be like an overnight anti-aging cream, which is, yeah. Don't, I mean, it's it's good for keeping your your the skin on your face moisturized, but it's not going to prevent wrinkles, really. And is it going to prevent chunks of gray flesh <laughs> from falling off your? Yeah, that guy, man. I hope not. <laughs> face hugger, man. I'm so curious about it. it's. He's just gross. He's just. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's see. What do we else? Oh, Alex. He breaks through. Chase goes home and decides to start working on his gauntlets. I think because he's inspired by the super powered potential girlfriend. And he wants to, you know, maybe keep up with her with powers. But he's working on these gauntlets that he's going to call fistigons. And his dad pulls up and he's in his dad's workshop, but his dad's like that. I, what are you doing? This, this is the work of a child, but tell me all about your ideas. And and you almost get the impression that chase feels, wow, dad actually has an interest in something that has to do with me. And it's, it's a scary moment because, yeah. um, I mean, it's a scary moment for me as the viewer that, Chase is going to be uh, distracted by his father's attention that he's been desperately craving for how long, but now it comes at the worst possible time because he's investigating his dad for killing a girl. And, but now dad's giving him attention and giving him um, validation and affirmation and. Which is a realistic threat and it's a realistic possibility. And I think it's a realistic part of a cycle of abuse. Yeah. You know, is is to yeah. be nice, throw them off their guard, be nice and make it feel like everything's going to be okay. Why would you leave? Everything's going to be finally okay. And no, no. I mean, it's okay for a little while, but that's only so you can not go and, and they can continue um, with their power over you. But yeah, yeah I just... It, for me, that's the emotional cliffhanger of this episode. Then there's a real cliffhanger <laughs> later on um, where you have uh, Alex getting kidnapped while Nico is calling Carolina. So Nico's calling Carolina and telling Carolina about all the stuff they got from the data and that her mom was involved. Carolina then sees that her that Leslie and Frank, her parents are actually getting along as she's getting all this news. And then as Nico is delivering this news, Nico, Alex goes out to his car alarm. And as she comes out, there's a, a van taking off and Alex is nowhere to be seen. So that is the kidnapping cliffhanger, which is not from any comics that I read. And so I don't know who is, I don't even know who's doing the kidnapping here. Is it Victor and and Robert? I mean, it's the van, but I guess we, the thing we skipped over was that Alex and Nico were in the police station and Nico saw the guy uh, from her flashback who said he was going to take care of things. And he was with Victor and Robert and Victor and Robert were coming into the police station to get help. I think uh, so that they don't get arrested and put in prison for <laughs> kidnapping a homeless guy with a tire iron. Uh, there's another possibility. Yes. Alex's dad has a rival gang who is trying to get Ooh. him to do something. They yeah. could have, those guys could have kidnapped Alex um, to somehow manipulate Alex's dad. Yeah. Yep. That's my number one. That's my number one uh, suspect right now. You, you just gave me my number one suspect. 
that that totally makes sense. Oh, I'm not sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Why? I mean, there's nothing to be sorry about, but okay. that's why I said I'm not sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I don't know where this is going to go from here. Uh, obviously, the team I think is going to run away. Uh, I think they're going to run away as a team. Um, maybe they're going to try and help Alex. I don't know. Um, so I don't know how long this kidnapping thing is going to happen, but this is the way you bring together a team. And this is the way like you bring them together. And when they split apart, I'll care about them being apart. And I'm not going to name any other TV show that has a team or a family of heroes who start together, but we don't care about them yet. And then they get split up. And we're supposed to care about them getting back together, but we don't know them well enough to really even care. I'm not going to mention anything like that that might have been on an IMAX screen that I was watching. But this okay, is how Ben, you do don't it. mention it because you know we haven't heard that kind of speech from you before, yeah. so we have no idea what you're talking about yeah, at all. Yeah. Uh, but this is how you do it. I mean, I like the way that they have brought these personalities together. They're people who are thrown together into a crucible. And they don't want to be together. They don't want, but they, they don't have any choice. They are together because of circumstances and they have history and they have interactions that are fun and goofy, but then they also have interactions that are a little bit touching. And, and then you have interactions where they're, they just plain tense. They just don't get along. And I mean, I, I know not as many of our listeners are watching runaways as say, um, you know, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or the Netflix stuff. But that's just because, you know, not as many people have Hulu. And that's where I'm going to I'm going to start hitting hard in the regular Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episodes to tell people to get that free month of Hulu and watch the whole thing in in your yeah. month, you know, and because it's, it's good. It's good. Yeah. So I'm going to let you have the final say then. on What you think, because I don't know when you're coming back, so. <laughs> for for runaways i know when you're coming back you're going to be on agents of shield uh in our next episode but i don't know when you'll be back for runaways so hmm. take um, it away as i put you on the spot <laughs> yeah and yeah <laughs> you think by now i would know to prepare for this moment especially you're, when it's just two of us you're gonna be put on the spot yeah yeah i I'm looking forward to seeing some big changes, some exciting changes. And I have confidence that this will not be boring at all. <laughs> have you been bored yet in this? I won't name another show, but I have been bored with other shows. I, I mean with like, Runaways. Bo no. Okay. All right. Runaways? No. So I, was, I was talking to a friend and he was bored by it. Uh, he, he doesn't like that. They haven't revealed any powers really, or, and he just, he just wasn't, it just wasn't grabbing him. He liked it, but he didn't care and, and had a hard time getting into it. He stopped watching after the first 10 minutes. No, I mean, he's, he's gotten through episode four. <laughs> like, oh yeah. Yeah. So, but, I mean, it's just, it's just not grabbing him. Is he watching the same show? No, I mean, it, no, he's not. I mean, he he's watching Molly a completely Hall. different store, a completely different show, where, <laughs> it, where it's these characters who you know he wants superpowers, you know, and he wants them right away, and he wants the team to come together and do super stuff together, and and that's not what this is. This is slow build up, and yeah, so he he is watching a different show because it's not the show he wants. <laughs> okay. This is just another problem that we have in a society where instant gratification is a thing, <laughs> is a norm. I don't know. No, no, you got to have a really good build up to something like that. That kind of thing where you have like tons of powers and you have these powerful characters. No, that's that's like season finale stuff. That's Daredevil in his suit finally in the last episode in the last fight kind of stuff. You know? Yeah, no, it's it's I you're you're preaching to the choir here. I, yeah. Hi, well, I'm no, the choir. I'm, I'm to, singing and you're preaching to me now. But no, yeah. I'm trying to <laughs> preach to your friend through you. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's 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 him. I, I don't know what else to say. 
but uh, yeah, I, I I do know we should say thank you for listening because you're you're here with us in Hulu land instead of Netflix and ABC and theaters. And so we appreciate you listening and we'd love to hear from you what you think about Runaways. And we've got a handful more episodes for you to get feedback to us. But if you listen to these podcasts because you watched it a long time from now when it was released, we'll, we'll still read your your uh, your emails on, on the regular Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. episodes. So don't worry about that. Don't worry that if Runaways is done, you can still send us some feedback. You can send us feedback at welcomelevel7.com. That's our email address. And beyond that, I don't know. Um, I just, I want to give you some advice, Samantha. Are you, are you ready for some advice? Oh, I am excited. Tell me. <laughs> well, this is just what it comes down to. You know, there's, there's people who live with their heads in the clouds, Samantha. And sometimes I'm one of them. And I think sometimes you might be too. But we need to listen to the, the words of wisdom that came from the mouth of Tina. And she says, you know, this is how you live your life. Dreamers got a dream, but I do hope you can focus on the job that really matters. So, Samantha, I, I'm running behind with Runaways, but I have now gone and I'm not going to be caught unawares as far as comics go with, with Cloak and Dagger. When Cloak and Dagger comes, I will be ready because I have bought a whole bunch of comics. On The only thing I bought on Black Friday was Cloak and Dagger comic books. Oh, do tell. Well, it wasn't Black Friday, but it was Black Friday sales. And yeah, I went to my friend's comic shop. He had a bunch of, of Cloak and Dagger comics for a dollar each. And I got like the entire run of a series. Uh, I think it's the third Cloak and Dagger series. And then he had a graphic novel, but I was like, oh, that's cool. But it's 20 bucks. And I already have issue one that's in there. And there's only three, three other issues in there. So I went to another comic shop down the street. Mm-hmm. And they had the three comics that I didn't have yet, and they were 50 cents each. Nice. I scored some really good comic deals, and now I have this huge stack of Cloak and Dagger comics uh, that I've – because I already had uh, the entire run of another series. I'm going to be reading Cloak and Dagger comics from here until eternity. Um, (laughs) And I'm excited because I like Cloak and Dagger. I I love the concept. And here we have the teen drama, but Cloak and Dagger is like your, your teen romance. And so I'm, I'm curious what they'll do with it on Freeform. But I'm also very, very um, – I'm very, very optimistic that Cloak & Dagger is going to be on Hulu in a timely manner because I saw an ad for a show called Beyond during Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. tonight. And that's a show that's on Freeform. But then they showed the title of the show. Maybe it's not Beyond. I can't remember what it's called now. I think it was beyond, but it's something like that. And underneath the title of the show, it said watch also on and Hulu was listed as, as a watch also on. So I'm cautiously optimistic that I'm not going to have to get any kind of cable package to be able to watch cloak and dagger. So. Okay. So yeah, we'll have to wait and see ready for cloak and dagger. I don't know about you, but okay. Yeah. I mean, 
always good. I mean, I'm always ready for something that's new and interesting and really well written, really well acted, really well directed. I like the good stuff. <laughs> as as you should. As I should, as because, you, should. you know, I, I don't like having to sit through a TV show that is just not naming and any names. <laughs> and yeah, I'm not going to name any names. We've we've. We've dogpiled on the dogpile. I think we could. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Samantha. Have a great evening. Thank you. You too. Peace. Bye.